welcome to Paper Team, a podcast about television writing and becoming a TV writer. I'm Alex Friedman, aka TV Colin. And I'm Nick Watson. You can find me on Twitter at underscore NJ Watson. And today we're going to talk about notes. You hopefully wrote a script and uh, you want to get it out there. But before you do that, it's really important to get some feedback. So today we're going to talk about ways you can get that feedback and kind of create your quote unquote reading onion and how you should address the notes you are getting. The first step we should really look at is who you should be going to for feedback in particular. Um, I guess the most common one is probably going to be like writers, friends that you know who are also aspiring writers or maybe even working writers. They're kind of your peers. So they understand exactly the kind of creative process you're trying to go through. And getting notes from other writers is arguably, I would say, the most important kind of notes you'll be getting because they are the people who will intimately understand the kind of writing you're doing. And that specifically tailors to a writing group that you may uh, be building. I'll give an example of my own writing group that I set up kind of like a TV writer's room because I feel like in a more traditional writing group, usually the way it goes is you have, you know, let's say three or four people or whatever it is. And um, every week they meet, everybody brings in like 10 pages and everybody reads those 10 pages and then gives notes. Television doesn't quite work the same way. It's not necessarily a linear process where, you know, 10 pages of an outline is not going to be the same as 10 pages of a first draft. Really, it's more about getting feedback on each step of the process, uh, which we'll get more into in a second. But the way my own writing group works is basically we meet regularly every week or so. So we're six people. And then two of those six are quote unquote up back to back uh, for two and a half hours, up to two and a half hours each. And for that span of time, uh, that person who is quote unquote up becomes the de facto showrunner. So for two and a half hours, everybody else is focusing on that person's project, uh, whether it's a pilot or a spec or whatever it is. And we go through every step from, you know, the pitching to final draft. And we've even done, you know, some specific scene works. Yeah, nice. That's a really cool system. Um, I have a writer's group as well with my writing partner. She runs it. Um, But it's a bit less structured than that. I think that's a cool idea. And people should definitely try that out. I'm keen to, to try out a system like that. But ours is just more of a... Anyone who's finished a script, it's usually a script, sometimes an outline. Um, we upload it to a Dropbox. Everyone tries to read it before the day. We come in and everyone just kind of goes around and gives their notes and then they'll riff off of each other and be like, oh yeah, I did like that, but I had this thought on that. So just like a more traditional, what you would think of as a, you know, kind of a, a writing group or a book club style thing where everyone's in a circle doing that. I mean, we keep saying it. If you don't have a writing group, uh, start one. And even if you're not in L.A., uh, and you're like across the country or the world, there are ways of getting feedback from other writers online. You know, we keep saying like Reddit or like message boards, whatever it is. Uh, just start off with other people like you. And another point that's interesting to note is uh, if you are mainly a drama writer or a comedy writer, you're probably most often getting feedback from the same kind of writer as you. So, you know, obviously in comedy, you want people who know stuff about jokes and everything, but it could be really valuable to actually send your script to someone who is uh, the other kind of writer from you. So to send your sitcom pilot to a drama writer, they might have some really good thoughts on the characters and the structure and the kind of stuff that, you know, they're really good at. Um, and vice versa, send your drama script to a comedy person, they might have some kind of, you know, 
some insight into that that you might not necessarily get from the same kind of people all the time. There's a common saying that uh, comedy writers are from Mars and <laughs> drama writers are from Venus. <laughs> <laughs> I think so, but we'll meet halfway on um, Earth. I don't know. <laughs> it's like uh, the, the map. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I completely agree with Nick. It's really important to get outside the your echo chamber of the genre you're in. Um, you know, if it's, if it's something like a sci-fi piece, maybe give it to a comedy writer who maybe is into that genre, but doesn't necessarily grow in the same level the structural you know needs that drama may have uh, and you're gonna get some more like outside the box thinking but they're still writers they still understand the craft and so uh, any note they give uh, is still very valuable yeah they might not have experience in seven act structure or whatever but they, they might know how to like oh keep something really tight you know so who knows now, beyond just writers, there's obviously a lot of like more industry people you can go to. Um, so the next group of people you should be getting feedback from are people like managers or representatives. Yeah, so obviously this is largely applicable if you already have a manager or an agent or something like that. But you know, this could be expanded to just kind of like friends you have in the industry as well who are used to reading scripts all the time and doing that kind of thing. So, for example, my writing partner and I, we usually check in with our manager at most stages of a project. So we will pitch him the ideas or a whole bunch of ideas uh, for stuff that we want to write. And he'll kind of give us some feedback on whether he thinks it's worthwhile pursuing either from a creative standpoint or from an industry standpoint because he knows what's out there currently, what people are looking for. He can be like, well, this network has actually been looking for this kind of show for a while. I'd really like you guys to write this one right now keep everything else on the back burner so that's really handy um because we're throwing so many ideas out a lot of the time there might not be the real legs for a show in there we're just like literally coming up with like a one-line idea and he has you know a good sense of what could work as a, a series would you say it's more on the the business side really because if the writers give you more notes on the craft this would be more applicable to like how do you get it out there kind of uh, aspect yeah it definitely has that advantage um but at the same time people like agents and managers and um, producers and things like that still have a really good kind of creative creative sense as well because right. they've either been doing that before or they've done it with so many different writers and clients that they, they can give you valuable story notes. But certainly the business perspective is something that not many other people have and that's super, super valuable. In terms of what we actually give to our manager, um, like we said, the initial ideas usually outlines so you can kind of give us notes on that and then um, certain drafts. But we like to try and deliver more of a polished draft rather than a really rough first draft because he is very busy and looks after a number of people. And so we don't want to really waste his time with something that we could take to our friends and our writers and get those early notes on first. I feel like there's the, the big difference between like managers and agents is that the, the manager is going to give you more uh, notes or comments about like the creative side of things. And like usually the rule of thumb is that uh, managers are more about your career on the macro scale and then agents are more about specific projects. But it's still valuable to get feedback from agents, right? Yeah, definitely. Um, an agent is someone who you would usually send like maybe the really finished product to when it's polished and it's ready to sell to people because that is the majority of an agent's job is taking it out there and finding buyers for it and fi or... Uh, sending it to showrunners to get you staffed on things so um, or get you general meetings. Um, so once your manager is happy with it, uh, if you happen to have both um, and ready to take it out as a sample, that kind of thing, send it over to your agent. Sometimes they may not even read it as long as they have an idea of what it's about. Uh, they can just work their magic and pitch it to people and send it to them and, and let them kind of do the work of reading it and deciding if they like it. The drafts you send out to those people usually will not be your, like, the raw first draft that you would be giving to your writing group. No, no, of course not. At this point, it is very much ready, f 
for anyone to look at. You would not be embarrassed by anything in yeah. there. And it's potentially, you know, even ready to go on air with a little bit of development, hopefully. Uh, also, if your agent is one of those more involved kind of agents and they have more time for you, they might participate in notes calls about your script with your manager on developing those different projects as well. So there is some back and forth there. It really just depends on the person. So aside from industry people, managers, agents, uh, assistants, you can actually look at sending it out to non-industry people as well. This is almost an untapped resource. People will often send it to maybe their parents or their like brothers and sisters. And they're obviously intrinsically interested in your stuff because they know you. But even like friends who are not necessarily in the industry uh, and are not even writers themselves can really give, I feel, valuable feedback. I think this is specifically applicable to more uh, genre-based scripts that you may have. So, for example, I wrote this, you know, the sci-fi piece, and I really wanted other non-writers and non-industry people to read it because I know they're really interested in the genre. And it kind of gives you another side of readership because it's more about is it engaging to them as fans of the genre and just as casual readers and not just is it sellable or is the craft like is the prose well written or whatever it is yeah realistically once your show goes up on the air non-industry people are going to be the vast majority of the audience so you have to know if a general layperson is going to enjoy it and find that story interesting and not just you know you've written such a complicated thing if, as a writer and everyone admires the craft of it is it does it have general appeal as well exactly i mean it can also apply to historical stuff uh another uh, script i wrote was like a very big world post-world war ii story and i would need to know if the kind of the rules of the world and the background and the backdrop was clear enough to be understood, not just on the level of is it interesting, but really is it clear for a layman or a layperson uh, reading the script to understand what's going on. And also these days, everyone is an amateur pop culture critic and they consume so much television <laughs> and that kind of thing that people often have an intrinsic understanding of what works and what doesn't, even if they're not a screenplay writer. So Yeah, two thumbs down on your latest screenplay, Nick. <laughs> It's kind of like another way of uh, getting feedback, and that is paying for it. We both have a lot to say on that subject, but I think we, we should do like, a whole episode about that. A whole episode about that. But uh, Nick, uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, paying for feedback. Right. So the main two ways I think that you would get feedback uh, in that kind of way is either paying for a coverage service or um, submitting it to a contest or competition that gives you feedback. So for example, the Austin Film Festival actually provides feedback for free when you enter your scripts. And some of them do provide it for free, which is great. Other ones make you pay an optional fee to get that extra feedback. Um, but realistically, the kind of feedback they're giving you is why it did or didn't advance to the next stage of their competition. Uh, most of them aren't super detailed. They're not going to dive into everything. It's maybe a paragraph, maybe a page if you're lucky. So I don't recommend you use screenplay competitions as the first stop to see whether your script is working or not, particularly as they can be quite expensive. But maybe they can help you figure out once you've had a, a polished draft why it isn't going anywhere because they're being judged at a pretty high standard with all the competition, even if it is a bit subjective. That's very different from like coverage feedback that maybe services like blacklist offer and i i'm of the mind that every every time you pay for uh, coverage you are obviously getting a very different reader and reading scripts is such a it's such a subjective work where uh, you will have your own opinion on ways of judging this script uh, which may not be that of someone else yeah there's a level at which things either work or don't work on a craft level and then th there's a lot of personal taste and subjectivity that comes into things from there so um, do take coverage and things like that with a grain of salt because it really does vary from person to person in this podcast we we're really going to be focused on the on the other three kinds of people you should be getting uh feedback from mm -hmm. 
the next step after you know who you're sending it to is when at the particular stage of your script should you send it out i think that's when the kind of like this idea of the reading onion comes in in my mind uh since tv writing is a very specific process between like pitching outlining and drafting uh, I tend to want to get feedback on every single step during uh, that process with different kinds of people. And so when I talk about uh, reading onion, it really means there's kind of like four different layers to that onion. And we're going to dig a little bit deeper in a, in a moment on each one of them. I do recommend that you take that opportunity to send your stuff out at every step. Don't be one of those people who's overprotective of their work and worried people are going to steal their ideas and they won't let anyone see something until they have a finished draft that's registered at the WGA and make you sign an NDA to read it. Like that is not going to help you as a writer. Yeah, don't, don't be a golem. Don't be a golem. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good time for it. Let's, uh, let's dig in and uh, let's look at the innermost circle, the first level, and that is the at the level of the pitch or idea. Uh, that's really when you have kind of like this embryonic idea of a show or episode uh, that you want to get feedback on. So this would really be more trusted friends, trusted writers, other people that could be interested in the concept of genre, i.e. Uh, non-industry friends uh, who like that genre, uh, or even trusted industry people like agents or managers, as we brought up. So I work in a writing team, and there's a, there's a kind of instantaneous feedback as you go with that. You're working collaboratively. Um, so any pitch ideas and stuff I come up with, I always run by my writing partner, and we decide whether or not we think it's a good idea and want to actually do anything with it. And then once we both kind of agree on that, we might take it to a manager or maybe pitch it to a few of our trusted friends and see what they think. How does that work? Do you guys just roast shambo like is this a good idea let's uh (laughs) (laughs) no i mean it'll just generally be we'll both kind of like have our notes documents that we talked about last time from all the ideas that we've come up with out in the world and we'll read through them and be like how about this how about that and then we'll kind of like alternate and like if we get a good reaction like usually some laughter or some like wow that's kind of cool um we'll put it on like a short list and then just make a decision from there that's cool i mean on my on my side those kind of like kernel or embryos of uh, pitches or ideas i really just bring it to my trusted writer friends who are the people in my writing group or like specific friends outside of it um they're the people that understand my own sensibilities and would potentially be interested in my own perspective on certain ideas and me, in turn, am interested in their own perspective on that idea. And so it's really just about, at this stage, bouncing off a couple of ideas or uh, log lines or pitches, uh, really the bare-bone level of work. Um, yeah, you want people's reactions to those ideas, whether they think it's worth pursuing or not. Very macro-level stuff. Does this idea have legs, or uh, am I just going to be like wasting like days and months of my, of my life on this? One really helpful thing is, as well, is when people tell you whether that idea has been done before, because you might not have seen it a TV show and they're like oh because that's the most common reaction yeah, totally. is, oh have you seen X exactly. or this sounds a little bit like Y and then you can go check that out and see maybe if you're treading too much of the same ground or if your idea is actually different enough to pursue yeah I mean I've got this idea about like a French teacher cooking coffee in his uh, in his uh, lab and uh, he goes <laughs> <laughs> he goes crazy and uh, roasts a lot of coffee <laughs> 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 oh yeah, uh, Le Breaking Le Bad. That's Le Breaking Le Bad. <laughs> Moving on to the next layer of uh, the reading onion. So you've got your pitch, you you know kind of like the broad idea of uh, what your uh, show is going to be about. So the next step is going to be obviously the outline stage. And this is the next layer in the onion. And I would say this is 
probably the most important layer. Um, and so that's usually, at least on my end, uh, where I get feedback from my writing group as I develop the outline. And so that's really kind of the brainstorming stage of the process. This is the time when your log line, which is called a macro component, goes all the way to micro, meaning the scene work that we talked about previously. And the outline, as we mentioned, is such a very specific craft document that it's not something I would give to anyone who is not familiar with the format. Yeah, they, I agree. Yeah. They may not even like understand how to read it. It's like very specific. It's like slug, slug lines and then prose and descriptions. And, you know, just a person is not going to be interested on an emotional level to that document. Yeah. Um, In the worst case scenario, it might just look like a really badly written script to someone. <laughs> the outline out of, if we compare like an outline to a script, a script is meant to draw the reader into like an emotional journey. Uh, whereas an outline is really more of an intellectual exercise so you understand structurally uh, every step of the story. I mean, with story, you should be able to explain a story to someone in the most basic terms possible without adding any color or flair to it and still have it be compelling. Instead of using a lot of kind of like artifice and craft and whatever in writing scenes to get people interested, it's just about like the best story beats of whether that's going to be a good story or not. By that definition, the, the notes you'll be getting at this stage are much more about the structure, the story, and the character, uh, not really the specific writing prose or anything like that. Um, and at this stage, it's really about having a dialogue with other TV writers or aspiring TV writers about my script and my story. Um, and this is really um, a vital component of this whole process because if you pay uh, for script coverage or just a script consultant or whatever it is, uh, it's it's going to be like a one-way street. It's going to be like one person judging yay or nay on, on the output. Uh, but if you have a writing group, that can comment on the outline process and can comment on these specific scenes in this specific order. It's it's a dialogue. It's you you need to remember that TV is a communal enterprise. It's a bunch of people in a room discussing uh, an episode. That's what a writer's room is, mm-hmm. um, and and that's why I believe this phase is like the most important of all. Structure is so important at this stage because once you actually get down into the scene work and that kind of thing, you can really get lost in that big you know, from that bigger picture, and you're down with like a little bits and pieces. And to you, it makes sense in your head, but you need to take a step out again and look at that out line to figure out where you were going wrong. So make sure you get it right at the outline stage before you even get into the scenes. At the end of the day, this is the layer where uh, you'll be getting ongoing notes as your project matures. The beginning of this phase is more, you may have just a couple of scenes that kind of like a log line. And then by the end of it, you will really have a fully fledged outline, which should hopefully be strong enough to withstand any macro notes. So yeah, once you move past the outline, I feel like inevitably the next stage is that very first rough draft of the script. So who are you going to be giving that to? Once again, I'm obviously going to go uh, to my writing group, but also at this stage, other writers who I trust intimately. So this would not be just some guy I met at a, at a mixer telling me to send him uh, my script. It's really about the, the writers with whom I have a relationship with. So like someone like Nick at this point. And these are people who haven't really seen who haven't really seen the script before or don't really know much about it besides maybe a log line that I told them at some point. Um, And so this is going to be the first time that someone is really going to read some writing about this project outside of my writing group. And so it really needs on some level to be strong enough, i.e. fully drafted, to be read. 
and as I said, the uh, the writers you will be going, I, I tend to kind of like have like a mix of peers at the same level as me, as well as maybe some people with a little bit more experience. But with that said, like again, people who with who you're not afraid to show kind of like an almost like vomity or vomit adjacent draft, <laughs> vomit adjacent, uh, vomit like adjacent that. draft. Yeah, I think that's so important not to be afraid to show someone something that is perhaps a little bit bad because or else how are you ever going to improve it if you can't get that feedback? They're not going to be judging you permanently like, oh, this guy's such a terrible writer. I'm never going to work <laughs> with him again. It'll be like, hey, maybe I can help you out with this script and it'll end up being something really great. These are like your peers. They understand the process you're going through uh, and they're only trying to help and shed a light on those like specific issues that maybe someone in your group doesn't you know, see because... After X weeks of work, the people in your writing group are obviously going to be in the same echo chamber as you are uh, by your own work. Yeah, there's a certain level of trust there, but I've never like read a friend's first draft and then like stopped being friends with them because of it. Like it's not going to happen. <laughs> I can't wait until you read one of my first drafts and then we just have this podcast. <laughs> the point of this stage is to get your draft at a point where it is strong enough to be read by virtually anyone. Uh, this is the, the specific scene work or like micro notes you're gonna be getting where it will take your script to that next level. If you are like a sculptor or something, maybe the outline stage is where you have kind of like mocked up all the plans where you plan to chisel and then the rough draft is you just like really hacking away a lot of that stone so that it kind of appears to be roughly what you're going for, but it's not later until you're actually gonna really finesse, finesse, yeah, finesse yeah. it and sand it all down so it looks perfect. This is the stage where you're probably going to be getting the more like honest, uh, yeah. i.e. brutal notes. It's going to uh, be rough edges on that statue. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, but as it should be, I mean, what is it, in the in like the hottest flames that you forge the best iron or some expression akin to that? I don't know. I'm just thinking yeah. of through fire and flames from Guitar Hero. Slash. From Guitar Hero. <laughs> <laughs> what a reference. So you've had your rough draft out there, you've got enough feedback, uh, and then you've really gone back and laid into it and you feel like you've got kind of a polished draft now. Where are you taking that? Basically anyone that will want to read it. You still can get valuable feedback at this stage. It's, it's about getting more lay people to either read your stuff or industry people to see if it's valuable in of itself. So I'm going to go into Kinko's and make 500 copies of my script <laughs> and hand it out on the street, right? I mean, I did that last week, right? Uh, <laughs> Actually, um, don't do that. Don't do that. But no, it's, it's really more about friends you obviously trust and friends who would be interested in your writing. Uh, it's the same people we brought up earlier that will bring that kind of like audience perspective on your script and and maybe maybe even people who aren't used to just like giving you notes on, on things yeah i mean it can be kind of unhelpful sometimes if they all they say is oh i liked it and that's it or, wow you know that kind of thing um you're going to get a lot of those responses, particularly from non-industry people, because either they don't know exactly how to articulate what they're feeling about it, or maybe they just couldn't be bothered. But, um, you know, just move on and, and give it to someone else. Also, if they do say that, like, they are completely ambivalent about, like, how would they feel, or they can't really express themselves, try to dig a little bit deeper. Like, you're the one who knows a lot about your world, and you're the one at this stage, hopefully, that wants to know the kind of feedback you want to get. Yeah, so, you should know specific things that you... Um, are you either worried about or you're kind of like wanting to make sure are clear and just ask them those specific questions rather than how was it? A lot of it is also about like comprehension. You know, like as I said about my history project, like did you understand that this person was doing this or what his role in this was and that kind of stuff. 
So now that we know who you're actually taking it to and at what stages you should be taking it to those people, what are those specific kinds of feedback that you should be asking for or the general kinds of feedback? Usually, you just want to get notes uh, saying, this is awesome, let's move on, right? Yeah, just like a big tick, two thumbs up. You're going to be, you're going to make it, buddy. You're going to make it in this town. <laughs> the, the point of getting notes is to get feedback, right? It's to get something that's tangible. Now, I already approaches notes differently. Uh, some people may need that pat on the back feeling before they really get brutal notes. Uh, yeah. or, or like the infamous uh sandwich where it's just like sandwiching <laughs> the script is awesome here's how it's terrible but but it's still awesome yeah it's been interesting actually i've had like a script that i'd taken out for years and slowly rewritten and that kind of thing and so often like 90 percent of the people would just give it that more general kind of like i liked it and blah 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 and then one time i took it to a, a, a friend who just kind of not ripped it apart, but gave some really good notes that I'd never heard before. And I was like, oh my God, how did I never see any of this? Mm-hmm. So it's it's so important to be uh, doing That's that. the best kind of notes. I feel like once you get something that like blows your mind yeah. and it gives you a different perspective, uh, that's really important. Mm-hmm. Um, the two kinds of notes you'll probably be getting are either macro notes or micro notes. Now, macro notes are more general notes, meaning, you know, notes about uh, the structure or the world or the characters or arcs throughout the episode, even like comments about the script and like how it's engaging throughout. And that's, again, more about the broad script in of itself. Now, on the other side, you have micro notes, and those tend to be almost page-specific notes. Uh, you, you'll see, like, page 13, uh, I saw this character saying this thing. It may not be interesting. And so those kind of micro notes are more about, you know, scene-specific dialogue, uh, prose, and, and really the content on the specific part of the script. In the early stages, it's my feeling that you only really want macro notes uh, on those outlines, on those first drafts, even. And it, it doesn't really matter if one line of dialogue here or there could be tweaked or they didn't like a piece of action there, because all of that is likely to change if you take the story in another direction. You're cutting and adding scenes or changing characters and that kind of thing. So the specifics at that point just aren't that helpful. Yeah, and that's usually the, the kinds of notes I'll be getting early in the process and the outline stage as we brought up. Right, so then when you want micro notes the most is in the later stages of your script, particularly if you are kind of like it's really on a deadline or just about to be shot, you don't want to hear those big macro notes. Um, it, it, this is the stage they talk about a polish or a punch up. You know, if you have to go back and fundamentally rebreak your story at this stage, um, that either means you didn't do the macro work and get enough feedback in those early stages, and also, you just probably won't have time to do it. That's why in TV, usually you don't really have a page one rewrite is because you go through this strenuous process where, you know, you break the outline and then you get feedback on the outline and then you rebreak the outline until it's complete. And then at that point, then you move on to the draft stage. Yeah. The most oftentimes you see page one rewrites are in features where someone's gone away and worked on it by themselves without a lot of outside input, or maybe someone's writing like a, a original pilot or something with the same thing and they haven't been giving it to other people and they've just been churning it away. You'll find that a lot of people will still want to give you macro notes. And that's usually, especially if they haven't read your script before and this is the first time they've read it, they'll usually have comments about structure or whatever it is, especially writers. But hopefully at this stage, you're like deep enough in the in the script that you've gotten enough feedback that you know the ones you need to discard and they're the, really the micro notes that are important to you. Yeah, you've either heard those macro notes before and you've addressed them or been okay with you know not addressing them. Um, you don't want to be surprised at that stage by any macro notes that come out. So 
The last kind of um, feedback you might get that's not quite macro, not quite micro, is just a very broad impression. Sometimes you just want impressions from people of your script. You're not really at the stage where you want to be reworking it because you've already spent so much time on it. Or like I said, you have a deadline for something. Um, so this could be the stage where it's it's polished and ready to take out to people. So maybe you're giving it to friends because you just want them to read it. You think they might like it. Or you could even be taking it to, you know, in a professional setting like buyers and stuff for a pilot or for you know something like that so when you submit those scripts directly to buyers at studios and production companies um, they're really just going to give you a yes or a no sometimes they give you like a soft pass like maybe take it back to us later when you know it's all about their needs and what they want that kind of thing i think it's really important to uh, explain that at this point is a lot of subjectivity. Um, right. It's kind of like that, that scene in Gladiator with uh, Caesar giving the uh, thumbs up. Oh, wait, thumbs down. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what it's like. Uh, yeah. So at this point, if your script is actually good enough, you kind of want to wait for someone to pay you to develop it further because the kind of development notes you're going to get from like HBO versus ABC Family, I guess it's free, free form now, uh, versus <laughs> like the, the Oprah Winfrey network, uh, if you try to incorporate every single set of notes you got from all those different companies, your script would be a mess. So um, really wait until someone is interested in it and wants to buy it or option it and then listen to their development notes because it's going to change again from there. There's always going to be a point where despite the notes, you don't really want to work on it until you actually are like a professional writer on that show. And if you are an, a writer in the very early stages and you're sending out your work to managers and agents and that kind of thing, um, the same goes for managers you know get your script to a good point if a manager likes you and wants to take you on they might want to develop that further before they take it out so then listen to their development notes whereas listening to your random friends development notes at that stage and not what your manager wants is not going to be of any help to you and then finally there's, there's a little note i want to say about typos and that kind of stuff uh, a lot of people are do wonder and i've, I've uh, got any questions about this relating to what if i make a lot of mistakes in my script like what should i be doing about that uh i have dyslexia i can't really write there's ways of getting uh, uh, more proofreading kind of notes. It's not really notes. It's straight up like proofreading. And in my mind, you can just find like college students or freelancers who can do it for you uh, if you can't do it yourself. Um, and those are really cheap. You know, it's like 50 bucks or less. The services online that I found professional proofreading services that are hundreds of dollars on scripts but those kind of tends to be like those kind of fall into the like almost coverage aspect of like this is like way too expensive yeah to find get. some screenwriting students and they're gonna understand whether or not you did your slug line right anyway even if they haven't read any script before you can still like, get give them like basic understanding of like what well, this is the format this is the you know scene headings should it look that way not that way uh, but even the actual proofreading of every word, uh, there's ways of getting that kind of notes or feedback uh, really cheaply and uh, in a positive way. Let's dive down really deep now, um, more focused than even macro micro impressions kind of things. Oh boy. Um, very specifically, what are some kind of notes that you can ask for on the individual elements of your script? Now it's the time to really look into every every single aspect of, of the macro micro stuff. Um, so really there's, there's five kinds of notes. Uh, it's either going to be concept notes based on genre or whatever the macro stuff. Structure, which is also macro, but really about the narrative components of it. Then character, 
And then uh, more on the dialogue said, you either have general dialogue notes or uh, for comedy jokes. One little other one that's not kind of big enough to make its own category is maybe just um, the the formatting and the action and that kind of thing. Um, so we won't dive into that. Right. As those, are, those are usually more like very specific micro notes that only probably screenwriters will, will give you. Yeah. Whereas these categories also have kind of more macro elements to them. Right. So let's uh, talk a little bit about the kind of stuff you can ask about concept and genre, you know, particularly conventions of the genre and that sort of thing. Um, in broad concept terms for pilots, you really want to ask yourself or other people, as we're talking about, does this have legs? And when we say that, we mean, is it a show that can run for like a hundred plus episodes? Is it something you can kind of see week after week after week? Can you generate a new premise every single week? Um, maybe for specs, you're looking at, does this fit in with the show that you're specking? Is it something that's also unique to you while still fitting the voice of that show? Uh, and other themes that you're exploring, either for pilots or specs, kind of clear and, and evocative and interesting to people. The next kind of notes is, is more on the structure end. So this would be more, is it confusing to the reader? Are there like narrative leaps that you make? For example, if like a cop reaches a conclusion on that case of the week, uh, surprisingly quickly without really any justification earlier uh, that's a problem there's also jarring transitions so you know in tv you deal with abc stories all the time so if you cut back and forth between like specific scenes between an a or an b or an c story and it's just like a very jarring like moment where like somebody's like doing something and then cut to completely something completely irrelevant or completely different i was uh, listening to a podcast about uh, jane the virgin and mm -hmm. they talked about they actually because there's such a huge tonal shift in that show going from these kind of like funny soap opera moments to like quite serious drama and that sort of thing. They actually have very specific rules about when they can cut from very lighthearted stuff to very serious stuff. Interesting. Is it based on uh, like visual cues or what kind of the... Uh, I'm not sure the, the details of it, but they just like are very, very careful to not contrast right. two hugely tonally different things at a time. So be careful of that. Right. I mean, that could be, if it is something you want to do, then be conscious of, oh, yeah. of, the, of that effort unless it's a clear decision yeah uh and then another structural component would be uh, simply if it's not engaging enough throughout the acts uh like any good story your script needs to be building momentum throughout the acts uh especially at the end and so that ties back to the strength of the act breaks especially in trauma where you have seven act breaks or like seven acts and then six act breaks 23, uh, act, 23 breaks. act breaks uh, and then the final part of the structure kind of notes would be uh feeling of resolution at the end uh, even if it's a pilot script you should not only be like opening up to 100 plus episodes uh you should also offer some form of conclusion uh the reader just read you know 60 50 pages or even 30 pages of a script you need to have to feel some form of catharsis mm -hmm. through that story yeah you need a self-contained resolution within that script as well as opening up to the future potential for the series the worst thing and i see it all the time particularly in drama scripts is people spend 40 50 pages setting up the world and the characters and here's the run of the every day and then in the last 10 pages they leave it on a cliffhanger as to what might happen next and then like it doesn't feel like a real script I will say it depends on the on the script and the story, but yeah, if it's like a completely like world changing twist, maybe that should be your concept instead of like yeah. the pilot that you've just spent like fifty pages building on. Another really important one is character. So, are your characters you know kind of interesting and diverse enough? Are they three dimensional people and not just kind of like 
tropes or stereotypes that you're not consciously deciding to subvert or anything like that um are they distinct enough from one another particularly you know in their kind of like their voice their look and their purpose in the script and speaking of purpose do they actually have a reason to exist <laughs> i know a lot of people who when they're crafting a thing like oh then it's gonna have this character and that character i'm like oh why and they're like what do you mean why because i said so and like no uh your characters need to have a story kind of purpose they often the supporting characters are reflective or shadows of the lead character and their traits and decisions. There is meaning to life in a script and a story. Yeah. Right. One for comedy, which is really important, is does your character have a strong dilemma? Or another word for that might be like a paradox or an irony. What that is, is an obstacle that's inherent to their goal, but it's built into their character. So even if there are no external obstacles whatsoever, they're still going to be facing this problem within themselves and you're going to get comedy from that. So, um, for example, Jimmy and Gretchen in You're the Worst are these terrible misanthropic people, but then they fall in love with each other and have to learn how to be good people for each other for the very first time or maybe in Kimmy Schmidt um, she like loves the world and wants to explore it and make the most of life and meet people but her understanding of the world and how it works is from 20 years ago so there's inherent kind of obstacle and comedy in that drama is the same way where you will have those kinds of like internal obstacles where or even flaws that the character must deal with throughout the show I mean the obvious example is like the Sopranos mm-hmm. uh, or even the show like The Shield where it's it's really about the ego one man like driving everybody is crazy or even dead another kind of notes you'll be probably getting or want to get are notes on your dialogue um so the first kind of dialogue note would be is the dialogue too expositionary as we both know as we both know uh dialogue should not be expositionary as we both know (laughs) it should be showing not telling uh that's definitely something that's Almost always done in procedural scripts where you have one character turning to another saying, as we both know, yeah. uh, this person was at this place uh, during the murder of this other person. A character should be actively discovering things, not just passively receiving info dump uh, by uh, the hands of another person. Then there's the other side of the dialogue, which would be more other lines too on the nose. If you want to pull a Just Weed in and, and want to try to be really cute with all your like quips, uh, maybe you're a little bit too cute. I've definitely got notes where some characters give a joke and then uh, the note I got was like this is actually you wanting to make that joke not the character wanting oh, to make yeah. that does joke. Oh yeah, does it sound like it should actually be coming from that character? Exactly, I mean another kind of dialogue note is obviously is where the character is saying out of character. This is this is very subjective but you can there's ways of, of kind of like reading through a script and really honing down on the way one character speaks. Uh, one way you can do that is in Final Draft is uh, you can get reports on different aspects of a script. Mm, that's uh, very handy. Yeah, yeah, including characters and through that you can have kind Kind of um, the software automatically generate um, a list of all the dialogue that that character said throughout your script. Uh, and then finally, the to to tell on that, uh, there's another kind of note uh, on dialogue, which would be, do the characters sound unique or distinctive? And it's not just about the way they pronounce things, you know, like stammering or like mispronouncing names. It, it's also about um, their syntax, the rhythm of their speech, the colloquialism that they say, or even the familiarity between every character. So for comedy, um, there are a number of aspects about the jokes that you should be looking at. Um, Straight up, is a joke offensive or distasteful? Um, There is a very fine line between that, particularly for your audience and the demographic that you're going for. It's it's not just a free-for-all because comedy should be able to make fun of whatever you want. I really don't think that's the case, Um, particularly when you're working with a brand and a network. There's a famous French saying about um, the fact that 
you can laugh about everything, but not with anybody. Oh, yeah. That's nice. Uh, but yeah, so standards and practices, if you're on a TV show, we'll be giving you feedback on that as, as you write. Um, so are there enough jokes per page? Um, you know, are things, are, you, are people laughing enough at it? Um, also, is there a good mix of both visual gags and kind of dialogue gags? Um, often, particularly in multicam, so much of it is driven by dialogue, but you really want to make sure that you have some kind of fun visuals as well. TV is a visual medium. Sometimes jokes can be underwritten. You know, there's the intention of the joke there, but it's not really well executed. So you can go back and punch that up. Sometimes jokes are over-explained or like hit on the head, really on the nose and obvious. And the, you know, someone says the joke and then kind of congratulates themselves for it or like really hammers on it and it wasn't that funny of a joke. Sometimes you can miss beats in the joke structure. So if you're setting up kind of often jokes have like three beats to it. And if you miss one of those beats, then it doesn't really feel resolved. Or if you have a runner that's coming up um, all the time in the thing and that just kind of disappears after the first act and you never see it again. It's like, well, what happened to that? It's almost as if, the writing should not be self-indulgent. It's about servicing the characters in the story, not your own internal joke meter. Yeah, unless you're Aaron Sorkin. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Shots fired. Um, sorry. Um, you know, take his masterclass. I hear it's good. Also, just not using che- cliches or cheesy lines. Try and be fresh with uh, the jokes that you're making. And now, hopefully, you've gotten some notes. And then there's the big question of, like, how should you be dressing or reacting to those notes? Uh, should you be freaking out uh, because your screenplay sucks? Or uh, should you do every single note ever given to you? Uh, now, the number one thing about notes is notes are almost never personal. It's about someone commenting on a specific execution of a specific idea, not bashing on you as a writer. You should leave your ego at the door when you are reading and when you are executing those notes. Once again, the notes are about their relationship to you writing, not their relationship to you. It's like uh, debating if you ever did that in competitions and that kind of thing. You know, you you attack other people's arguments uh, rather than them them as a person. So try and do that with, with notes, but, you know, in a nicer way. So, you know, the thing is, some people really do only want to hear good things about their script and they will react very defensively when they get notes, particularly if they're kind of cutting notes um, because they might feel like they're being called a bad writer. Uh, you just have to remove your ego from the equation. If you can't do that, you're not going to get very far in Hollywood. Like As a writer, notes are going to be your life. Producers' notes, studio network notes, director's notes, actor's notes on the day, you're going to be sitting down there and you're like, I don't like this line. You might have gone through a million steps of that line with everyone and they were all cool with it. And then on the day, the actor won't read it. So you know, you're going to get notes upon notes upon notes. If you don't know how to take them and respond to them, people aren't going to want to work with you. And that's not to say there aren't some hills to die on and really defend something and take a stand, but generally try to be receptive and at least consider what they have to say. Sometimes I find the notes that annoy me most when I go away and think about it, I realize it's because they've actually hit on something, uh, you know, I was insecure about, or maybe I thought I'd already fixed and, and I hadn't. So, Perhaps if you hate a note, it's because you need it. Not always, but at least give it a chance. Right. I think there's there's the the saying about uh, find the note behind the note. When when someone gives you a comment, maybe you don't necessarily agree with uh, the solution they'll be giving, but uh, there's always a reason why someone is commenting on something. Maybe they're not expressing themselves correctly, articulating that thought really well, but uh, they had that issue. So that issue does exist, at least for one person. Then it's on you to really find the problem behind the note and execute the solution that's most useful to you. 
you. Someone says, like, this character wasn't funny enough. Maybe you should make him a clown. They don't know the story as well as you do. Uh, maybe this character should not be a clown for XYZ reason, probably because、mm. clowns suck. But it's more about understanding why did this person say that this character was not funny and then addressing that comment. There's another saying about、um, listen to every note, but ignore their suggestions for how to fix it. I mean, speaking of ignoring things, do you think it's ever okay to just completely ignore a note? I, I do feel there's, there's points、uh, down the line where、um, you're going to reach a point in a script where、um, it's, it's good enough that you want to get、uh, new eyes on it. But it's, it's, it's been far enough that you've already gotten so much like, macro feedback and even micro feedback, either through writing groups or other writers, where any feedback you'd be getting, even if it's macro, could be ignored. I mean, as we said, if you are getting like surprising macro notes on characters and story at this stage, it's kind of weird.、Uh, why would you be surprised by、uh, anything at this point?、Yeah. Usually at this stage, you'll be sending what most people consider a final draft or、uh, what other people see as your first draft.、Uh, <laughs> <Yes> . It's really at this stage that you're only looking for impressions or general feedback and thoughts on a project, not general integral issues to that script. And That would lead to a page one rewrite. So, all of that said, not all notes are equal. Some are just personal taste,、um, particularly when you're dealing with writers. Some are just how I would have done it, like, you know, their personal kind of style to writing. You know, they are lateral moves as opposed to something that's going to make your story strictly better.、Um, a lot of writers like to give pitches on, hey, what if you add this and add that? But that's, again, that's not necessarily going to make something better. It's just an additional idea they have to add on to it. And sometimes if your script's already really tight, They don't even know what you would take out to fit that in. Yeah, I mean, you're going to get so much feedback that、uh, there's going to be recurring themes in the notes you'll be getting.、Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's why you need to go at some point beyond just the writer's group.、Uh, there's, w- once you, especially if you get a lot of,、uh, of notes、uh, over the course of your outline and weeks on end in your writing group, there's a group thing that develops in an echo chamber.、Uh, yeah, when people start giving notes out loud, other people hone into that and they will kind of like, They might not want to say their note that opposed to that if the whole group agrees with、Absolutely. it. So it, it can really affect that. I find that you know, if you do take your script or your outline or anything out to very different groups of people, like we talked about, if three different people with three different backgrounds and opinions and skills say that the ending doesn't work or they're confused about the rules of the world, then they're probably right. Look for those ones that you're getting the same note over and over. If you only ever get the note once and no one ever mentions it again, maybe it's something it's safe to ignore. It's an outlier. As Malcolm Gladwell will say. Or any statistician. <laughs> and now it's time to look at some takeaways. Number one, you should go to different people and get different kinds of notes and feedback, whether that's writers, your reps, people in the industry,、uh, friends outside of the industry.、Uh, it sounds like Alex's writing group would be a good place to take it for all, you know, <laughs> for all of our listeners.、Uh, yeah, speaking of,、uh, number two, you should be building or beating Onion to get constant feedback throughout the TVing process from pitch through outline and all the way to draft, and that will only make your script stronger. Number three, be specific about what kind of notes you want. Do you want macro notes? Notes, micro notes, just broad impressions.、Uh, do you really want to focus on specific things like dialogue and character that you want feedback on? And finally, leave your ego at the door.、Uh, the notes you'll be getting are not about you, they are about your writing. You should look at the note behind the note in case they also give solutions that may not tailor to your specific script. So、uh, let's look at a f- couple of resources. 
maybe it's hard to have a particular resource that tells you how to take criticism. If anyone knows of a good book or something like that, please recommend it to us. But at the very least, we can provide you with some some funny notes. I will recommend a resource. That's not really a resource. It's a book called A Martian Would Not Say That. And these are memos that actual TV executives gave to writers on TV shows. And for like, let me pull an example yeah, for, for my audience. Give us, give us one. I'm randomly, hopefully it's going to be funny. Otherwise, it's going <laughs> to... We regret to inform you that we do not have any notes. <laughs> uh, my my resource is a very similar version of that, maybe a more modern, updated one. Uh, it is a Twitter account called TV Network Notes. And I think these are submitted anonymously by writers and, and writers' rooms and that kind of thing to this, to this account. And they constantly get posted up, and particularly what the network was that gave it to them. So it's always hilarious to see, like, that, like, it's like the History Channel is like, this is too historical. <laughs> <laughs> now, on that note, uh, we'd like to thank you, dear listeners, for uh, listening to our podcast. Please leave us a review if you'd like to at uh, paperteam.co, that's C-O, not .com, slash iTunes, paperteam.co, slash iTunes. So I'm not at TV calling, he is, and uh, he's not at underscore NJ Watson. Uh, what if we did like a switcheroo uh, episode where you're in <laughs> NJ Watson? And finally, uh, if you have any thoughts, feedback, uh, Aaron Sorkin stories, uh, please uh, shoot us an email at ask at paperteam.co. Yeah, who are our enemies now? Robert McKee, Aaron Sorkin, there was someone else the other week? Uh, Matthew Weiner. Matthew Weiner. <laughs> we're racking up the good ones, guys. Oh, boy. Uh, next week, we're going to talk about how to be a good PA, a production assistant. And, and all the different capacities that that encompasses and maybe how to get some of those jobs too. That's going to be a good one. All right, see you next week. Bye.